Welcome back to the Quack Report. My name is Carter. With me once again is Nate. How are you doing, buddy? Hello. Not too bad. Yourself? Oh, not too bad at all. Uh, so we're at the, I guess, uh, official season finale of season one of the Quack Report, as well as the yes, rest we of are. the Hockey Podcast Network. Dude, we got through it without getting fired. <laughs> we did. I am proud of us. <laughs> I am very proud of us. Thank you, Dylan and Isha, for not kicking us out. <laughs> we, yes, much appreciated. <laughs> much appreciated. Yeah. Hopefully that means we get a, a contract extension. That would be very nice. I uh, I do have inside sources saying that uh, we could be back next season. Ah, okay. So, so. expect uh, talks to, to start soon. Yeah. Okay, if, cool. If we hear anything, we will make an announcement on the uh, on the Quack Report Twitter, at Quack Report Pod. Yeah, for sure. So. And if, uh, if we don't say anything and uh, we just start posting pictures of our butts, then that means we probably got fired. Yeah. <laughs> We're going, <laughs> going out on top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Either way, though, there will be an announcement whether we have been, uh, you know, let go for uh, better opportunities or uh, if we've been rehired to uh, continue pushing on uh, this this expansion. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, we are currently not willing to test the free agent market, though. So, no, no, we want to want to keep it, keep it local. (laughs) Yeah. Or are we restricted Uh, free agents or, or are we free agents? Technically, I think we're just free agents, just free agents. Yeah, we would like sure. to stay with the Quack Report, though. Yes, so, let that are, be known. We are we are willing <laughs> to make the deal, <laughs> <laughs> but just because our you know our contract technically ends now, um, we, we're not really going to put out too many more episodes, especially with the Ducks not making the playoffs. But there is, you know, some more milestones. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we just talked about this. It's okay, buddy. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we are still going to put out something around the draft. Um, well, after the draft, uh, you know, the lottery, I guess I should say, the draft lottery. Yeah. Did it, you know, talk about w- what the Ducks can actually realistically do at the draft, uh, at least in the first round. Uh, we'll put out some other content throughout the summer, you know, kind of as things pop up. You know, the Ducks are going to be very busy making moves, I'm sure. So, yeah, uh, yeah lots of stuff that will will keep us going throughout the summer, just not every week, so... You guys well, like, to, you like know, I mean, maybe go outside a bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, if the say the 2021 season doesn't start till December, that leaves us with six months to do something on top of the months that we've already had since March. So like, yeah, what, eight, nine months. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we, we got a good amount of time. So, oh, for sure. There's definitely no rush. But yeah, I guess since we already kind of touched on the NHL draft, um, and, and the lottery. The official procedure has been released uh, by Gary Bettman on what that is going to look like. It's a little bit different than uh, than it's been before, but not too different. I don't know. It seems it is like pretty. Yeah, of, it is pretty similar. Yeah, it, it's kind of overcomplicated. In my, I, I, that's a bad way of putting it, but <laughs> it sounds overcomplicated. But it really, but it's, it's actually, not. It, if you yeah, know it's actually how it pretty works. simple. So, yeah. So. Really what they're doing is they're taking the seven teams that aren't playing in the qualifying round, ordering them in reverse order. So, you know, Detroit at the bottom uh, and Buffalo, who just missed out on the qualifying round, uh, is uh, seventh. So one to seven there, giving them the same odds as uh, they normally would. So Detroit with 18.5% all the way down to Buffalo at 6.5%. Anaheim is 
fifth in terms of draft lottery winning percentage at eight and a half percent. And and yeah, they're just going to essentially do the draft lottery that way. Um, And then they also have the eight teams that are going to be kicked out of the qualifying round. Uh, They have them labeled A through H, and they're just going to pop those guys in in reverse order of um, regular season win percentage. Yeah. I think the craziest part about this, like with the qualifying round being a factor in the draft lottery, is say you have a team like, I don't know, taking a look at the East, the Pittsburgh Penguins, who were doing extremely well considering. Um, yeah. Say they get beaten out by Montreal, who had no business being in the playoffs either. They suddenly have a chance at the first overall pick. <laughs> yeah, albeit they would probably get a one or a one and a half percent chance because they're the fifth. Yeah, it's, seed. it's not a it's not um, a great chance, but like you can bump up. You could bump up. It's still a chance. Yeah. I mean, in the last few years, we've seen teams that were were pretty low down there. You know, two two and a half percent chance getting high a- actually winning the lottery. Yeah, yeah. Or because the the year that New Jersey uh, won it, the most recent one, uh, they were down there, weren't they? Yeah, oh, no, New Philly. J- that's who I'm thinking of. It was Philadelphia. Yeah, and I, I'm trying to think. I think the – wasn't the year that Nico Heischer was drafted was also uh, Miro Heiskanen yeah. for Dallas. And Dallas was like – they just missed the playoffs that year, I think. They weren't like in the basement by any means. And they got yeah, no, they got they second – they got the second overall pick for Miro Heiskanen. And I mean, that's turned out pretty well. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, and, and I mean, like they didn't make the playoffs, so it kind of makes sense. You know, like they – Yeah. They were in the fight, but – didn't really have a chance at the same time but you know if you include teams like chicago and montreal for the east and the west like yeah. they have as good a chance as the teams that they're playing edmonton and pittsburgh yeah to to go a long ways so um It'll especially with the rest too like it's yeah. it's anybody's ball game yeah um so i guess we should go into how this is getting figured out i guess we just kind of started talking <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah, they're essentially doing two phases of the draft. The first one is going to be happening at the end of June, June 26th, which is a Friday. And it's essentially going to work just as the draft lottery normally would. They do three draws. Uh, first one determines the first overall pick. Second determines second. Third determines third. With your chances kind of being weighted after each one. So, you know, say Detroit gets the first overall pick, then their 18.5% chances essentially spread out over the other remaining teams for their second overall pick. Yeah, it's exactly the same as, as how we how it worked before. And then if, you know, the seven teams that didn't make the qualifying round, if they fill the top three spots um, or they, they win this draft lottery, we don't have a phase two. It's just these teams are, are just in there now. Yeah. Um, and then everybody else is in the order of reverse um, points percentage. However, if one of the losing qualifying round teams gets in that's where things get interesting and you get the uh second phase so if any of the eight teams uh that lose out of the qualifying round get one of the picks uh in the first phase then you have to have the second phase so they order the losing teams by reverse points uh percentage uh from the regular season and then they do depending on how many qualifying teams get in or win a pick in the first phase uh they do another set of drafts to determine who those teams are it's, so de- take it's the, definitely interesting <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, essentially you take the eight teams that lose out, order them, and do a second draft lottery with them to determine who is A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of confusing how that one's going to work. We'll just kind of have to wait and see if any of these teams do bump up to the top three. Um, but it's going to take place sometime between the end of the qualifying round and the beginning of um, the uh, conference quarterfinals or round yeah. one. As First round, yeah. Any normal person calls them. So Yeah, uh, which, again, we don't know when exactly they are. Um, there's no definitive dates. Pretty much tra- like the only kind of maybe set date, if you want to call that, uh, would be the start of training camps at the earliest is July 1st, I think they said. So, Yeah, which kind of means you're not really going to see the qualifying round until August, like yeah. potentially even mid-August. And I'm, then, I'm thinking maybe mid-July. Like if all goes well and you like you have like at that earliest starting point training camps. Because so, there's been yeah. talks of, yeah, maybe it's going to be like a whole like month for training camp to get things under like mm-hmm. for the players to get their feedback under them and that sort of thing. But who knows? It might even just be two weeks. So if the players I mean, say that's we're going what it is at the, yeah. that's what it is at the beginning of the season. It's just a couple weeks and then yeah. you get into the preseason, which is a couple weeks and then the, the full season. And um, especially with a lot of because it's not, are, Oh, sorry. I was going to say just because it's not like the full summer, like we haven't had the full summer in between when they last played, they should be somewhat good to go, especially if they can start working out soon. So two weeks for training camp might yeah. be, um, might, might be, be okay. okay. Yeah. Cause, uh, like, especially in the States, like ring rinks are starting to open up. Uh, they should be in Canada right away here as well. I think they're all supposed to start to open up this week is the hope. Um, and to my recollection, I don't have it in front of me here to my recollection. It's six players on the ice at a time, no coaches or support staff. Uh, so just players only, basically, yep. and yeah, six at a time. So yep. small groups to start yep. with and whatnot, but with regular testing as well, they got to be tested before yep. they can step onto the ice, and then it's every, I think, two days they have yep. to do a test. And if anything um, happens, then that entire group of six players can't do anything. Yeah, it's gonna be definitely gonna be interesting. Um, thinking about that though, two teams that I've already curious to watch both in the east you have um the new york rangers because in sweden not a whole lot of things were shut down so like rinks were still open and there was videos coming out of uh georgiev and uh capo Kako on the ice together mm-hmm. new york's yeah. gonna be interesting because like you can have those yeah another thing was like the uh, expanded roster to 30 uh players right so you can have three goalies and that's perfect for you for new york because uh, you have Lundqvist, you have Georgiev, and uh, uh, what's that third guy? Shing. Uh, Shesterkin. Yeah. Uh, so they that's going to be very interesting. Like you talk about goalie tandems, they have a like a great goalie trio. You could play any one of those guys. Really. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. I think and, that New York has the best chance of upsetting, um, upsetting some big teams. Like I think yeah. they're going to take out Carolina. No and Carolina is going to be so pissed about that too because they have oh, some other dealings uh, that I think it's like if yeah even if Carolina gets bumped out right so they get a better chance at a draft pick 
but New York still gets that pick because they traded it or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So like Carolina is going to do everything they can. Like on top of, yeah, we're trying to go for the Stanley Cup. They're going to do everything they can to beat the Rangers because they don't want to give up yeah. a high pick. <laughs> oh, yeah. Carolina's going to get the, the shit end of the stick on this one, yeah. I think. I think they were one um, of the two or three teams that voted against the way it went, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But. Yeah, they had some wild proposals from what I heard. We won't get into it on here yeah. we'll to the Carolina <laughs> podcast, but they had some like messed up proposals to essentially not <laughs> face the Rangers. Yeah, <laughs> which is fair. I wouldn't want to face the Rangers if I was Carolina. No, nope. um, but no, I think that I, I think that the Rangers are going to upset Carolina. They're going to upset the first round team that they face. And yep. they might even upset the second round team. I don't see them going all the way, but they're going to make some, it's gonna be some teams quite upset. <laughs> um, yeah. The other team that I'd be terrified if I had to play in the East would be the Toronto Maple Leafs because of two guys who have been on the ice together who have also been quarantined together and just hanging out. Austin Matthews and Freddie Anderson. And rinks have mm-hmm. an open Arizona for the last few days. So, like, guarantee those two guys are getting on the ice together. And even if, even if they had uh, like synthetic ice uh, in Matthew's backyard or that sort of thing, right? Because uh, yeah, mm-hmm. they were both hanging out in uh, in Arizona there. Yeah, throw the pads on Freddie and uh, have Matthews with just like a pair of skates and like the synthetic ice or whatever too, right? Like you got one of the best goalies in the East. Yes, you have Tuka Rask and some other guys. I'm say- that's why I'm saying one of the best goalies in the East or even in the league, honestly, mm-hmm. and one of the most deceptive shooters in the game right now. And they're yep. together just hanging out on top of their rink as yep. like one of the first open for the NHL. That's, oh man. <laughs> yeah, there's no way those guys don't come out on a tear. Yeah, that, <laughs> that Toronto-Columbus uh, matchup is going to be, I think, one of the more interesting ones out of the whole uh, qualifying round. Yeah, no, there's going to be some exciting matchups yeah. in that qualifying round. So, um even as as Ducks fans, there's going to be some good quality hockey to watch. Yep, for sure. So, um, but anyways, uh, I guess let's get back to the the Ducks the draft, and the draft yeah, lottery here. <laughs> uh, no, it's okay. We got uh, we got some good chats going on there. Yeah. So the Ducks with an eight and a half percent chance of uh, of getting that first overall pick. Really, not too bad, uh, no? all things considered. You know, they've got a chance at one, two, or three, or five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, I think the lowest we can go is eight. Yeah. It seems like it's yeah. going to be a pretty good draft year, actually. Like it's There is a oh, fair yeah. bit there. So, Yeah, you know, even if we don't get the the top three um, North American picks, Lafreniere, Quinton Byfield, Jamie Drysdale, or, you know, some of the top European skaters like, um, like Stutzel, who I'm really excited to see, um, Alexander Holtz, um, Lucas Raymond, another name I, I sort of recognize. Yeah. Even if we don't get um, a chance at you know some of those guys, uh, the, uh, really anybody in the top ten for North American or European skaters is going to be good. Yeah, I think. yeah, I think. Uh, well, yeah, even at uh, say we drop down to the number eight and just kind of splitting it up, just for simple sake. Um, you mm-hmm. go like the top four North American, then to the top eight European or that sort of thing. Like you got a good guy in fourth in both spots with uh, Jake Sanderson there for the uh, uh, the North American, which you know six two one eighty five defenseman with uh, 
the USA uh, under 18 club. Um, mm -hmm. And then looking at the European skaters, my computer will load here. Uh, you have uh, Lucas Raymond, who, uh, you know, he dropped a little bit on the European list. He was, uh, at the midterm, he was at second, but he dropped down to fourth. But even then, 5'11", 170, uh, left wing playing for uh, Frölunda in Sweden. Frölunda likes to churn out some pretty good NHL talent, honestly. So, oh yeah, you got, yeah, a, you got sure. a good pick at fourth on both North America and Europe. So, like I said, just for mm -hmm. simple sake, just to say one of those guys, but... If we happen to drop down to eighth, yeah. Yeah. Like, one yeah, of those and guys... And that's looking at the worst-case scenario, sure. right? Like, you could jump all yeah. the way to the top... <laughs> And even if you could say we're to get uh, in the top three, right? Um, who knows? Quentin Byfield could drop down to number three, depending on whoever mm -hmm. gets number two, like what their kind of needs are and whatnot. So, uh, but even then, yeah, if you were, no, I think if Drysdale you're going, has yeah, a good Drysdale, chance of going too. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah defenseman out of Erie. Awesome. So, mm -hmm. one thing I'm excited about um, that I think a lot of people might sleep on, Caden Gooley. Uh, from Prince Albert in uh, the WHL there, defenseman, brother of Brendan Gooley. He's ranked yep. eighth in North American skaters. I, I think taking him with our first pick isn't a good idea, but depending what, on what happens with Boston, yeah. they could have a pretty decent pick, and Gooley could fall to them, and then we have the tandem of um, Brendan and Caden Gooley. That would defense. be amazing, honestly. Yeah, like I don't think they're going to be all star defensemen, but if they're your your second or even third pairing, yep. I think they they have some chemistry together, and I think that there would be nothing wrong with that. Yeah, well, and I mean, whenever you see brothers playing together, whether they were twins that were out of their mind, like the Sedins, or uh, say even for an Anaheim uh, reference here, like the Niedermeyers, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, different positions. You had a, a forward and a defenseman, but like. They they work well together when they're on the ice together, right? And it's just that yeah. connection that you have. So it's a it's a different kind of chemistry. Yeah, that you just can't you just can't find with two players who aren't related. Like it's yeah, um, it's insane. So I think that if if Boston gets out early, which is very hopeful because uh, <laughs> they, they have a chance of going all the way, I think that because um, we have their pick, I think Hayden Gooley could be a, a sneaky late second round pick it'd be very interesting who knows we might even be able to uh yeah like you said if he drops that low but uh yeah say there is mm -hmm. an upset with boston yeah they we got a higher pick there too and say maybe the uh yeah like the top uh top 10 right so yeah but yeah which would be or no top amazing. 15 top 10 or top 15 what's the lowest that boston could drop um like uh, oh, so it'd be like 16. sixteen, because they have yeah, because they have the buy. So yeah, yeah. I'm true. not, I'm not sure. Well, I, I know how like it works to order the the later picks, but I don't want to figure out the lowest they could go. Right yeah, now. <laughs> I, the lowest. Um, it, no, that's right. The lowest it would be is sixteen. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, there it would, there it is would still be possible, but there would have to be an it would have to be an insane chain of events for them to yeah. get sixteen. You know what? But, too, um, with, you know, you can always trade up. As yeah, well, that's what I was so. gonna say. You can always trade up for that if you want to. So. It depends on the market, I guess, for Gooley and how how many yep. people actually want to see him. But I think he could be a, a sneaky later round pick. You know, besides the guys that we've already kind of mentioned, you know, Lafreniere to Drysdale or, or some of the big name European skaters, who else kind of catches your eye? 
that um, uh, it might not be for the first round, but uh, it's something we can talk about a bit later. With uh, just to say, like with Ryan Miller possibly not returning, you got to start looking at that backup position a little bit. Uh, yes, we have Stellars in the system, but you kind of want to start grooming somebody to almost start to get ready to take over for Gibson, which is ridiculous to yeah. say when he's, what, 26? Um, mm-hmm. But you never know what can happen too, right? Uh, one yeah. guy, now I'm not going to, I'm trying not to be hometown bias here, uh, but uh, Garin Bjorklund uh, from the Medicine Hat Tigers, 6'2", 173 pounds. Uh, he's put up some, uh, to my recollection, he's put up some pretty good numbers actually for uh, the Tigers this season. And uh, mm-hmm. he's fifth yeah. in uh, North American goalies. That can that pick can even happen in the third round. Let's say. Um, oh yeah, with where goalies go. Yeah. Like, so and and with the goalies above him as well, I think that um, Borkling could be a sneaky third round pick. Yeah, that's actually somebody I'd love to uh, to pick up. Honestly, so uh, I'm going to see if yeah. I can actually pull up and, his uh, his numbers. If you want to give me somebody that you're thinking of. Sure. Um, I was just going to say something quick about. Bjorklund, um, his midterm ranking was 10, and now he's bumped up to 5. So he he's done a lot in the back half of the WHL season to really boost his numbers. So, so yeah, I think that could be good. Um, even Nico Dawes, you know, I think... It all, it uh, all depends I, on who wants to take that first shot with the goalie, right? Yeah, exactly. But with the Ducks, the Ducks would get a higher second-round pick, right? Is that... That's how that works? Like, they don't start the sneaking until the third round yeah it, I think I, so I can never remember I can. I could totally be wrong yeah uh, I don't know either way you know if if no one picks a goalie till late second round and that's when our pick is you know I think Nico Dawes is still available and I think that in terms of Anaheim's needs there's nothing wrong with taking a goalie oh no, absolutely round, not especially when you have two first round picks like yeah why wouldn't you why wouldn't you be the first to take a goalie yeah um, like I said I, I feel you can take a goalie in the first round. I'm not denying that. But with how... Yeah. With the riches, especially for that top 31, I feel like you have to go with, say, like a forward and a defenseman if you're going to take two picks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, like, so that's why I'm saying maybe the the Ducks... Yeah, like, you, you cover all three bases in your first three picks. You take a forward, a defenseman, and a goaltender. Because um, you know that, like, once the goalies start that's when they start to go pretty quickly. So Exactly, yeah. And this isn't a shot at Nico Dawes, um, who's definitely hands down the best goalie in this draft. I don't see him being like a Marc-Andre Fleury type. Like he's not going to be that goalie that goes in the top 10. Uh, I just don't no. see it. Yeah I, yeah, I don't see that either. I think, and that's, that's even very rare to see. You don't normally see a goalie going in the top 10, let alone the first round if it is the first mm-hmm. round it's a, like later it's in late. it so yeah sorry i'm Which still trying i, to I wouldn't up. be surprised if he yeah it's fine i yeah. wouldn't be surprised if dawes went late first round i just don't see it with how deep the forwards and defensemen are yeah in this so uh, um oh my goodness what? yeah in terms of you know the north american skaters that we got here there's lots of guys that have been like just watching that just from what I've seen uh, them do in like the world juniors, I, I, I just don't see a way of us not getting a good player with yeah. our pick. Um, yeah. And like, you know, there's lots of good centers like Byfield, Perfetti. Yeah. Like the, 
which is I think a good thing to to pick with uh, gets laugh inevitably retiring soon. So yeah, um, as much as that hurts me to say, you know, you got to <laughs> get that star center. Yeah, you got to uh, get ready back. for that. Like you, you can't have that big gap. We have the wingers in Raquel and Silverberg. We have the wingers in um, the wings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think picking a center is is what we need to do, and I think that we have a good chance of doing that without the pressure of taking Lafreniere, who honestly we don't really need. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do have uh, Bjorklund's uh, stats here. Finally, um, oh yeah, Elite Prospects ahead. wasn't helping me with that surprisingly. Uh, so I just found it on the Tigers website itself. Uh, so during this last uh, nineteen twenty season, uh, he played twenty eight games. He was. Uh, you know, splitting time or a little less than splitting time, I'd say, with uh, Mad Sogard, uh, dropped drafted by Ottawa last year. Which that's going to be a, that's a great pick last year from Ottawa. That's something that they are going to need mm-hmm. as well as that goaltending. And I see him becoming a starter in within the next, f- I'd say, five years at minimum. Uh, oh, for sure. But yeah, yeah. with uh, with Bjorkland here, uh, twenty eight games played, uh, a two nine one goals against and a eight nine seven save percentage. You know, the save percentage doesn't look hot, but uh, I mean, we can attest to this having seen this team growing up and whatnot. Defense has never really been a priority for whatever reason for the Tigers. Like they have just suitable defensemen. Uh, The Tigers always, Tigers are kind of in a way like the Toronto Maple Leafs have been in the last few years where (laughs) it's been very, very offensive. Um, I mean, the Tigers Mm -hmm. have always had big bodies, let's say, but it's been very offensive teams. You look at the Tigers, uh, goals and whatnot it's normally very high scoring games mm-hmm. but with yeah, uh, them, best the best defense is a good offense like yeah, even if you so, look at their top defensemen over the years they've been yeah. good offensive defensemen so. uh but with uh yeah with Bjorkland there yeah he may uh have that eight nine seven save percentage but you take a look at his actual record uh 20 wins five losses one overtime loss in 28 games so mm-hmm. that's yeah he's he played uh 1,609 minutes, which that's a that's a pretty decent amount of time, and had 78 goals allowed. He did have a shutout in there as well. So, yeah, which is quite rare in the WHL. Yeah, to be honest, and uh, and that was actually his first uh, like full season, I'd say, with uh, the Tigers. Um, the season beforehand, he only had two games played. So uh, that's pretty good showing for your first official season, I guess, in uh, in the WHL. Uh, especially as a uh, like a seventeen year old, and he was just drafted in yeah in two thousand seventeen. There, he was drafted in the first round by the Tigers at twenty first overall for that WHL draft, and uh, from Grand Prairie, Alberta. So not too far from us. Yeah, I think we should leave the the draft talks there. Give us something to talk about. Come, I guess uh, June 29th when um, we'll have we'll be able to put out an episode following the draft lottery. We'll have some uh, better ideas. I think of the Ducks realistic possibilities here yeah um because you know there's always the potential where we we might just have to take Lafreniere or uh we might be <laughs> stuck with that eighth eighth pick if, oh no uh, you have to take Lafreniere <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so so oh so disappointing <laughs> yeah <laughs> I know as soon as that left my mouth I was like uh Nate's gonna shit on me for it but you know what I mean like where where you can't really do anything else if you get the first round pick you yep. don't have options like yep. you kind of have to take the best guy yeah um, whereas even if you get the second pick you know you have some some leeway of who you take yeah so yeah I guess uh let's move on um so there was uh, some rumors here about the Ducks uh signing a SHL Swedish Hockey League defenseman by the name of Cody Curran uh good old 
Alberta boy from uh, from Calgary, just north of us here. He hasn't played in the NHL, had a brief stint in the AHL with uh, the Hartford Wolfpack, uh, only playing 20 games with them. Did play in the ECHL, uh, 45 games in 15-16, but besides that, has played University League, uh, then played in Denmark, Norway, and the last couple seasons in the SHL. Looks like to be a pretty good uh, offensive defenseman. Uh, always been kind of just above a point-per-game pace uh, with the last season. He had 49 points in 48 games, 12 goals, 37 assists. Yeah, some rumors here that they might sign him to a uh, short contract here in, I guess, what you can call our off-season since we're not going to be playing again until next season. Yeah, I, I, I don't know really anything about Cody Curran besides what I see on Elite Prospects here, but um, what do you think about him, a left-handed shot defenseman? Yeah, I don't know a whole lot uh, either. This was kind of the first I was hearing about him as well. Um, but I think we do kind of we like we have a couple of our offensive defensemen, maybe. But like this guy seems to be from like what you were reading there, like your pure offensive defenseman, if that makes sense. Um, so this might mm-hmm. be a guy that you can take a gamble on with uh, the power play, right? To uh, maybe later on to potentially be that quarterback on it and that sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, with him already have been playing in Europe, you can take say like. Yeah, give him a one or a two year contract. Uh, is was there a rumor on how long it was going to be? You, you said short, but yeah, just from from memory here, I have the article, but I believe it was a one year contract. Um, is there a dollar amount rumored? That was rumored. No, I, I would speculate at a, a million uh, or a million yeah, and a quarter. You I'd know, say I'd say million at most. Um, so it's yeah. not uh, not too much. Usually of a those risk. kind of signings. Yeah, usually those kind of signings are, are like you said, low risk. Uh, yeah. They're not much more than a million. Uh, most of these players want to play in the NHL and just be given a chance. So yeah. it's, it's usually not too high. Um, and, um, I mean, being from yeah. Canada, it's not like you're bringing a European into an American system, right? He had the opposite where he was in a, yeah. like a North American playing in the European system. So it'll kind of be like riding a bike to him to kind of get back into that system uh, here for the yeah. NHL. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah I, th- sure. I think it'd be, yeah. you know, like 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 we said, low risk and whatnot. I say go for it. Might as well. Yeah. Uh, the only concern uh, that I have is uh, that he's a left-handed defenseman. And we kind of have a lot of those, um, especially Cam Fowler, Hampus Lindholm. You know, those are our top two left-handed defensemen. Yeah. After that, we have Christian Juice, Jacob Larson, and Michael Delzato, who are all easily third-pairing uh, left defenseman, yeah, um, and could step up to that second role. You know, defensemen get injured quite easily, so it's never a bad thing to have too many of them. Yeah, but I think the bigger need is the right-handed defenseman. Uh, we really only have Josh Manson and Matt Irwin, um, and Irwin will have to re-sign. Um, yeah. and then in in the system we have uh, Joel Person from Edmonton, who we also have to re-sign. Uh, Yanni Hockenpa, I know played that position, um, but really. You're going to have left-handed defensemen playing that right-handed spot. Um, but to kind of argue with myself again, you can never have too many <laughs> left-handed defensemen so, yeah, or and, too many defensemen at all. So, And left-handed defensemen is a lot more common, obviously, than the right-handed defensemen. I mean, take a look at how yeah. long, just for exa- an example, the Leafs have been trying to find somebody, right? Um, once yeah. you have that right-handed defenseman, you want to keep them around um, mm-hmm. for quite a while yeah. and make sure it for works. Sure. Um but who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe Curran has 
played on that right side, like has some experience, right? So maybe a lefty, but mm-hmm. he can, like I said, kind of be that. You can you can use that as the quarterback spot where instead of the puck like coming across your body to get onto that right hand for you to take the shot, he can be kind of that one timer from the point guy, right? So, yeah, which I'm willing to bet with his um, with his amount of goals, it's obviously not insane, but you know, twelve goals in uh, like a in 48 49 games over yeah. the last couple seasons like that's as a defenseman like that's a pretty decent good. So I, I would imagine he's got to be playing on that right side as a as a left-handed shot to, yeah to get those kind of numbers yeah i say take so, take the yeah. risk on it so it's it's low risk and yeah if it mm-hmm. doesn't work out after the one season you know what you can figure out something else whether it be trade his rights or just let him go or whatever yeah um this article by uh anaheimcalling.com uh, has some rumors that he was going to sign with the KHL, or did he sign with the KHL? Uh, no, he was uh, going to. Going to, yeah. So not quite yet. So you know, I think he always, I think he's going to have a job in the SHL or the KHL. Yeah. Uh, if things don't pan out for him in the NHL, so I think yeah. you know, give him a shot. Why not? Yeah, go for it. Um, really, we have nothing to lose with them, and I, yeah, like you said, he could turn into that power play specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just from looking at his stats, not really seeing him play, he has those puck moving abilities. So Yeah. And with being in a rebuild as well, it's okay to take some of those chances to see what can work. Right. So 100%. Like you never, as much as people like to say it, you never have like 100% a definitive plan. Things will change to get you to where you want to be. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. uh, We've got some other news here, some more articles. Uh, One of them written by John Gibson. Um, This isn't a hockey writer that happens to be named John Gibson. This is (laughs) the real deal, John Gibson. Um, (laughs) The real, real deal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he had an article with the Players' Tribune as part of their uh, Elite 101 Goal Scorers series. Uh, Really good reading. Really good read. I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, he had some interesting thoughts on facing some of the league's top scorers. And uh, he gave five um, five players, uh, well, six technically, um, <laughs> about some of the, the guys that he hates facing and what to look out for uh, with them and what makes them such deadly goal scorers. Um, re- yeah, like I said, really interesting article. Um, what were your, uh, I guess, top takeaways with this before we get into some of the players he named? Uh, this was a great article for me to read. Being a goalie, you don't get a whole lot of this kind of perspective, I guess, at times. Uh, obviously, you get like the analysis perspective of, say, like John Gibson talks about Austin Matthews in here, right? Everybody knows kind of about his shot and whatever, but you start to take a look at it from uh, the goalie's perspective. Um, so uh, I'm just trying to find the part in here. Yeah, so like a lot of it is like you sometimes it'll be like playing the angle on top of like trying to read a stick. That's a that's a big thing. Um, but with Matthews, mm-hmm. it's like, he's just like talking about like how you can't really read his stick because he's so dangerous with it, and gives a shows it, and like there's a video with it as well. Shows an example of Carey Price, arguably still one of the better goalies in the world, uh, like being just looking lost with a Matthews shot, and like kind of explaining almost the thought process with it. Um, and you know what? Like Gibson does poke fun at himself as well. Like quite a few of these examples are these guys he talks about scoring on him. Mm-hmm. So like I love the yeah. the Crosby one. He's uh, just like you know I grew up watching this guy, and like it's amazing to play against him. 
but like he made me look like a complete idiot <laughs> and stuff yeah. like that. So, um, but yeah, like I mean, I I love the insight uh, from like the goalie perspective. Uh, like I said, being a goalie myself, you you don't normally see a whole lot of this, so it's it's nice to kind of get that read and for those who don't look at things from the goalie perspective it does show you the perspective that we're looking at things from right uh mm-hmm. because yeah goalie isn't really something that's like it is talked about but it's not talked about really in the way that maybe it should be sometimes um so but yeah like the the players do we want to get into the players that he specifically talked about yeah sure yeah we can do yeah, that but like everything he talked about these players like from the goalie perspective, you're like, oh, damn, yeah, I can see why it's so hard, like, as a goalie to stop these guys, mm-hmm. let alone a, a defenseman or whatnot, so. Yeah, for sure. One of the interesting ones I thought was uh, Nathan McKinnon and uh, how he talked about um, his goal against Henrik Lundqvist in the World Cup back in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> and just the just the hands on him to, like, yeah. absolutely embarrass one of the best goalies in the league yeah and then um going back about his perspective on it was from the opposite end of the ice yeah because they were cause playing together for team, at north the time of team north america yeah and just to see how insane it was like from you know 200 feet away it really says something about the skill of austin yeah uh, not austin matthew sorry nathan mckinnon um Oh God, that's insane! <laughs> like even watching it in slow motion, I'm yeah. just like, that's so fast. <laughs> uh, can I just can I read that little blurb quick, actually, because it sums it up perfectly. Yeah, in yeah, terms go of, for it. Uh, yeah. In terms of McKinnon, uh, my view on it was a little different. I was in net at the other end. He had only been in, a f- in the NHL for a few seasons at this point, but I knew right then he was going to be a big. He, he was going to be a problem. I was right. Big problem. <laughs> 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 yeah, and like. He, he talks about Matthew's speed in here as well and just yeah. like how he's able to shoot the puck at top speed, which is, is super rare. Um, and like really you don't see it coming. You just always have to be ready for that shot. There's no yeah. tell when it's going to come across. A lot like Matthew's. Um, yeah, like I was talking about before, like so you can't really read a stick. Exactly, yeah. And yeah, with McKinnon, with how fast he's coming, like you just have to always be respecting the shot. But yeah. at the same time, you can also pass it. But you just have to respect that shot because when it comes off, it's it's taken off heads if you get in the wrong spot yeah <laughs> it's a it's a deadly shot so, i uh i did love um, the the section with uh he names both mcdavid and dry just like the pairing mm-hmm. of them like obviously you could have either one of these guys be on there if you're talking about like coming in at full force on you mcdavid like that would be terrifying because the guy's topped over 40k has he not in terms of like just straight oh, skating yeah. with the puck which yeah. is like with skate, puck, skating yeah. <laughs> at 40 kilometers an hour. Okay, that's that's pretty damn impressive. Skating at 40k plus with the puck. That's incredibly impressive. Uh but yeah, it's like just mm-hmm. honestly the and like it just amazes me in general the chemistry between these two guys. Like they're always there's always going to be a highlight reel goal whether you've seen it the same kind of play 100 times or not between these two guys. It's always going to make those highlights. And you can see why, yeah. especially with uh, Gibson's kind of breakdown on it. Uh, and the example that they have is just embarrassing Matt Murray with it, basically, in the Penguins' defense, which that's pretty hard to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not a, that's not a defense and goalie no. uh, pairing to, to scoff at. Like, they're one of the best, if not the best, in the league. Yeah. You know, Latang, Murray, and... Uh, who else was that on the ice? I want to say Cullen. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's right. Um, and uh, I, either way, though, it's 
<laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Uh, he does talk about Sidney uh, Crosby, who I already mentioned, and uh, just, yeah, the mm. way that... Yeah, like, I love the beginning of it. What can I even say about Sid that hasn't been said? All I can do is show him embarrassing me. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I, and one thing, actually, I'll give credit to this article as well, is you do kind of see... In writing, you see the personality of John Gibson come out actually, which is which is pretty nice mm-hmm. to see. Because especially with goalies, you don't yeah. see that like unless you get the behind the scenes kind of stuff. Um, there are definitely yeah. some goalies who do show their character, like say Mark Andre Fleury or David Riddick. Uh, but a lot of guys will just be kind of very stoic in a way. And mm-hmm. it's when you're watching, yeah. say things like uh, Road to the Winter Classic or whatnot, that uh, you start to see the personality of the goalies, like. Thinking back to the what was that twenty ten or twenty no it was twenty eleven I think uh, with Ilya Brzezgalov and uh, the the universe yep. and whatnot. Um, yeah. But I do love that this article like obviously it's him writing it, but I love that the personality does start to come out. Uh, the last guy mm. that we have to or that uh, Gibson had talked about in this article, which uh, I was surprised that it got that he did get brought up not mm. in a not in a bad way. Me too. Um, but just that like yeah. he's already made that much of an impact on Gibson, I guess, but it does make sense being in the same division, uh, is uh, Elias Pettersson. Um, and you read this clip about him, and yeah, like it is, Pettersson is a dangerous player. And I almost feel that the combination of Horvat, Besser, and Pettersson has fast-tracked this Vancouver rebuild. Yeah, no one could have predicted that. No. Uh, like what these three guys... Uh, have done for this team but like it's insane really like watching this power play here and and the puck movement and just how mature these guys are in terms of hockey smarts and hockey iq on this play is insane like it's (laughs) wow it's like this looks like a power play that's been playing together for as long as you know like the the bruins have yeah like they have that kind of chemistry already and they've played together for like a season and a half by this point. Yeah, like at, at most insane. when you're including Pedersen in there. So, because this was yeah, only exactly. his, yeah, this was only his second year, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, just absolutely ridiculous. So it, yeah, it's absolutely insane. And the shot that he has, like to already be mentioned in the same uh, the same paragraph as Ovechkin and Stamkos, some of the best scorers of the last decade. Um, you know, talking about their spots that they always seem to score from Pedersen already has that yeah and people know to look out for it but they can't defend against it because he's so sneaky about it yeah it's uh it's quite insane it's it's like Ovechkin like you know where he's going to be but you're still you don't want to like just place a guy on him or you're gonna give up another option Mm -hmm. so like yeah exactly you're just trying to make the best of what you can (laughs) yeah no it's insane and you know the little blurb too about where Pedersen is able to place this one-time shot, or like where he's going consistently with it, every yeah. time. He hits it, or he's at least close, like probably eight times out of ten, I would say. Yeah, uh, on this one, you know, the spot that he talks about is when you raise your elbow, that triangle between the head, uh, base of the neck, shoulder, and the elbow. Yeah, uh, the spot that's impossible to to get at unless you you get your head in the way which yeah most or like or a, like a, unless you like lift your purpose. arm straight up in which you're exposing the back of your arm with no padding and you don't want to take that <laughs> yeah exactly it's it's one of those shots that is just so well placed by it uh, it's almost by a miracle that he gets it every time yeah it, it's insane to 
to read about how dangerous it is uh, of a shot because it's an impossible to stop um, or nearly impossible to stop. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's cool to, to hear about the offense of these guys from the goalie perspective uh, just because of that, like why these shots are so hard to stop and why they work so well. Yeah, and like I said too, like you can have the analyst behind the desk give you his analysis however many times. It's going to keep happening throughout their career. But to get that goalie perspective, the guy who's actually having the shot taken on him, it it is different. Mm -hmm. It gives a bit of a different insight. So, yeah, especially because this clip is actually against John Gibson. Yeah, Um, yeah, it's really cool to kind of see his breakdown. I was going to say how many. Obviously, it's stuck with him. Are these? Uh, You have, I think, yeah, two of them. Yeah, the Pedersen. Two of them. Yeah. Um, for for at least two of the other three though he does talk about his experience facing these players even if the clips don't yeah uh necessarily show them yeah so. Pedersen and Crosby which, which is cool to see against him that he shows yeah so okay yeah um yeah no it's really cool to see that experience yeah. um, and I, I really hope we see more of this from the other players too you know even just like some of the defenders or even um some of the other players what like like forwards what it's like to like what's going through their mind yeah um when they have to defend against other scorers and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, so. two guys I would love to see do something like a similar article to this would be Marc Andre Fleury and Carey Price because those two guys have been in the in the league for so long. Throw in Hendrik Lundqvist in there too, but you would have oh yeah the overlap of so many generations. Like the oldest guy on this one would be Sidney Crosby, which is surprising to say is old, kind of like in 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 perspective yeah. um, in the hockey world, anyways. Yeah. But uh, I think, yeah, like especially someone like uh, Flurry, who, uh, yeah, like broke into the league after that lockout season in 05, right? So he's seen like three generations basically come through. Or even somebody like Roberto Luongo, which he would make a great article, let's be honest here. Um, oh, but, yeah, yeah, especially with his personality. Like some, like yeah. some of those older, older goaltenders. Uh, I'd love to see an article like that with it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Yeah, any, anything else to say here, or should we move on to some of the other little talking points? Uh, yeah, let's move on. Okay, sure. So uh, this is something that I just happened to, to run into that uh, I hadn't seen before. It's a, a video by NBC from uh, end of December, but uh, yeah, I just hadn't seen it before. Um, and I thought it was kind of cool and uh, does sort of relate to the Ducks. So the most points uh, by a team in the last decade, um, so from 2010 to the end of 2019 so which includes part of this season obviously the the top one uh, the top team was the Washington Capitals with 1020 points uh, Unreal. over the last 10 years so <laughs> averaging just over 100 points a season yeah insane um there was a shortened season in there too even, yeah <laughs> so. uh, but with how many president's trophies they won i'm not surprised no. that they were the top team uh, followed very closely by the Pittsburgh Penguins, also no surprise, 1,006. I'm not going to list off all the teams here, but if we jump down to eighth place, we got the Anaheim Ducks, uh, who finished the decade with 946 points, um, which is very impressive, you know, considering they're only, what is that, about 70, uh, 74 behind the Washington Capitals. So um, only 74, you know, that's like some teams are lucky to get that in a season. But Yeah, and I um, mean, and divide that over the what 10 years or nine years i guess but we'll go 10 because yeah. it's a decade right uh like that's yeah. night that's like rounded 
It's 95 points a season. That's pretty damn good. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, <laughs> obviously we saw it, but that's that's playoffs every season. Yeah. And it was until, you know, the last couple seasons. But, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, to see the to see that, you know, eighth um, all-time in points, or not all-time, eighth in points this decade, uh, but no cups to show for it. Um, unfortunately, you know, some, some teams like Chicago didn't really share their three cups too nicely, but <laughs> could um, be so selfish. Th- that's Chicago. a big deal. <laughs> yeah. That's a big deal to have 946 points. Yeah. Um, unfortunately we were just one behind the San Jose Sharks who had 947, uh, but we Fuck were ahead sharks. of LA. <laughs> Fuck the Sharks. Yeah. Oh, uh, now we're uh, going to go LA again because Dylan's in the on last show. decade. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, even though the uh, the Kings did have two cups, they didn't even crack the top ten. No, nope. they were up there early on in the decade, but uh, eventually dropped off. Yep. To uh, who knows where we could do the math, but I don't really want to. So. <laughs> uh, um, but I, yeah, I, you know they that's a they big dropped deal. they dropped down to a spot below us this season. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know other teams that are around that same sort of number of points, nine hundred forty six. Uh, Tampa Bay had. 952 so uh tampa bay chicago with 951 san jose like i said and the ducks all within that same sort of range yeah within like within you know it's eight what six points yeah six points yeah it's uh and then nashville close behind with 934 um and then the, the last one 10th place uh the rangers rangers with 912 you know but even to be named with the teams like the lightning and the blackhawks who arguably have dynasties right now it, it really makes you think about how good the ducks actually were in this last decade yeah and uh and why we're paying for it now yeah exactly the uh it, it's kind of odd way of saying it um but this uh this rebuild that we're currently on is i won't say well worth it because we didn't get a cup but i'll say it's worth it so yeah for sure yeah, we were definitely dominant, and it was it was fun to watch yeah. uh, the regular season and any playoff series that we were in. So, yeah, um, I just thought it was a cool little tidbit uh, to see that uh, the Ducks actually did really well throughout this whole decade and were just consistent. Um, besides, you know, the last year and a half of it, you know, twenty eighteen to um, middle of twenty nine or end of twenty nineteen. There, yeah, absolutely. So, and then the last uh, little. Uh, tidbit here that we got from the hockey writers they released an article of uh, the three stars of 2019 for the ducks um we won't really get too much into the article but basically they say uh henrique delorier and grant were kind of the stars of this season elite center Derek grant um, who we'd love to get back in this offseason <laughs> oh for sure god i hope we sign <laughs> in, uh, in free agency do it I, I really do yeah uh let's start with henrique though uh first one they talk about in this article um Something we'll get into a little bit later uh, in the podcast, but he did, Henrik, uh, that is, did lead the team uh, this season in goals and points with 26 goals and 43 points. Doesn't seem like a whole lot, but, you know, considering where this team finished in the standings, you can't expect a whole lot. And those are good numbers for uh, the 71 games that Henrik played. Yeah, absolutely. And they uh, they say in this um, that he, yeah, he played 71 games uh, that he could have reached the 30-goal plateau for the second time in his career. Um, even without the total, though, he has showcased his vers- uh, versatility, which I do completely agree with. So he's been a, he's been a very dynamic player mm-hmm. for us and uh, will definitely help this team moving One- forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. He was unreal on the power play as well. 
Um, the power play wasn't great this year. Uh, I'm not going to uh, beat around the bush <laughs> with it. But, but yeah, he, like he always gave a chance for the power play. Yeah, absolutely. To do something. And, and like he was that net front presence who was always an option, always scary, and unfortunately just couldn't capitalize on a lot of chances. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that he made that power play uh, very deadly. So I think he's deserving definitely of one of the top three spots and for this roster in terms of if you're going like three stars sort of thing. Yeah. The other uh, players that they had listed here for the three stars, Delorier and Grant, I'm not saying they weren't great this season. I think they were phenomenal uh, in the roles that they were expected to play and, and went above and beyond. Um, I don't necessarily agree with giving them, you know, the, the three stars of the entire season, but, uh, but let's talk about them at least. Nick Delorier, um, brought on to fight, be a fourth liner, grind out, uh, grind some time off the clock, maybe score a couple goals, kill penalties. He did exactly that. Uh, but he went above and beyond. I thought he was great shorthanded uh, in terms of, you know, offensively shorthanded as much as he can be. Uh, he fought, he, he had that hat trick near the end of the season there. Uh, so I think definitely deserving of, of being mentioned as one of the best players for this team. Uh, three stars, it's debatable, but um, but what do you think? Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, I would say it's debatable as well for him to be on the three stars. However, I do think that the Ducks need to start using him as a bit more than just a fourth-line winger. Uh, I think this guy can be a lot more. I think he can move even up into the uh, top six. Um, they just got to give him that chance, mm-hmm. right? So... Uh, I think next sure. season is going to be a good opportunity to be able to do that. Um, I'd like to see a lot more of him. And yep. like you said, he had that hat trick game there. Uh, and I think that's a that's a glimpse of what he can be if given the opportunity. For sure. Um, I see him being, you know, one of those tough guys that can play in the top six, you know. Yeah. Uh, not able to carry the line. But if he if you play him with the right guys, he's got the smarts to know where he needs to be. He could be like the Patrick Maroon of a few seasons ago with the Oilers. Unfortunately, I'm not going to mention him with the Ducks um, for this analogy. But, I don't you know, even go with the St. Louis Blues, actually, if you want to make a bit more of like a direct comparison. Oh, that too. He was a, he was a yeah. force, especially in the 2019 playoffs there. He was a force for the St. Yeah. Louis Blues in that top in that uh, top six or top nine, depending on yeah. where he got what, plays that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with him, I was going to mention, though, the fact that he put up 30 goals with... Connor McDavid, you know, obviously it's pretty, I'm not going to say it's easy to do, but um, he's not going to do that by himself, like on a third yeah. line uh, or anything. So like, I think, but if you played Delorier with a guy like, with guys like Henrik and Silverberg, I think that they're able to just give him the puck in good spots and he can get to the dirty areas and, and put in some, some goals, but he's also going to stand up for those guys and, um, and make lots of space. For yeah. Them I feel like well. in terms of, uh, I mean, we talk about someone to kind of replace the Getzlaff size, uh, at times. And I think Deloria can, mm-hmm. like, can be a guy to be able to do that. So just have to, just have yeah. to work with him to get to that point. Don't just expect it to come right away. And then it doesn't happen and you ship him off. You've seen that around the league so many times where somebody gives the player the chance to be that person that they can be and works really well for the other team kind of backfires in their face where they go well we're still looking for that guy now yeah for sure um but no i think this season really showed the potential of delorier so i really hope that he um that he sticks around and and gets a chance to do more uh the last guy they talk about here Derek grant 
I, I don't even know what to say about him. Like he's he's. Unreal. I am honestly I'm, uh, I'm honestly pretty impressed that they still included him on this list, considering he was traded. Uh, but I think yeah, I, I mean he did play most of the season yeah, with. So uh, I think that's where it really the shows though what he did. Um, that mm-hmm. he can be that guy. Uh, we have our own nickname for him, like elite center Derek Grant, but like they even have like a just yeah. a variation on that. The man dubbed elite one C, like that just proves that it's not just us thinking that he can be that elite uh, centerman for this team. Um, and yeah, like we said already, we'd love to have him back. We really hope that he does come back. Uh, and yeah, he if if he if we start the season without Nick with uh, without Derek Grant, sorry, I'm going to be pretty upset, honestly. <laughs> Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, no, I really hope that we we can get him back, and I I think he wants to come back. I think they want to bring him back. So it's just how badly other teams might yeah. want him as well. And it's another guy that uh, um, again, unfortunately, Ryan Getzlaff will retire in the next couple of years. Uh, but it's another guy that you have to give a bit more of a chance to. We did see uh, like for this season, let's say in forty nine games uh, plus the seven, I guess that he had with uh, the Flyers. Uh, he had a career high in goals in 15 with to- with uh, 25 points, and that's just a little glimpse of what we could have. Like, give him a lot more time, and he'll go a lot farther. 100. percent Yeah. Um, bring it back to the whole three stars concept that this article has. Uh, I don't know if I want to put him in the three stars, but he was definitely like a like a highlight in what was kind of a dark season of, of the decade. Um, all things considered, you know, not the greatest season for the ducks, but he was definitely one of the lone bright spots that really made me want to watch Anaheim ducks games and be like, what's Derek Grant going to do today. That's, um, that's just going to blow the pants mm-hmm. off me. Um, I think, well, I'm, I mean, I, I don't think I know, but like seeing where they're thinking he's in that top three, at least or like the three stars, at least for the ducks. Um, was him on the penalty kill. So he had three shorthanded goals with the Ducks, uh, leading the Ducks at the time, and tied him with 10 other players for number two in the NHL. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, that's that's <laughs> where you get him as uh, as that, like in the, t- in the three stars ca- uh, talk. And you know what? Looking at that stat, it's pretty deserved, I'd say, actually. Oh, for sure, yeah. I think I would put him at number four if we were doing four stars, <laughs> but like... <laughs> just personally, just because I think you know, like Getzlaff and um, and uh, and Fowler could be in that, or uh, Gibson could be in that. I would, I would say Gibson, stars. absolutely. Yeah, Gibson over Fowler. Now yeah. that I think about it, but um, but Grant, I think definitely deserves that number four. So <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like um, uh, what's what's the the phrase I'm looking for? Splitting hairs yeah. at this point, but like. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm just upset they don't have Getzlaff on the three stars <laughs> list. But yeah, Grant Grant definitely had an outstanding. Yeah, season absolutely. I, yeah, I definitely won't uh, disagree with that. Would love to see him come back next year. So, for sure. Um, if you were to give a, a three stars, I've already said mine: Henry Getzlaff and Gibson. Who would you put as the three stars for, uh, I, for this team? I would definitely agree with Henrik and Gibson. I don't know if I would go with uh, Getzlaff though. Um, yes, he is still a ma- like a big contributor to the team, but I think you kind of got to look in maybe just a little bit different areas. I don't know, maybe I maybe even go with somebody like uh, like somebody like maybe even Carter Rowney. Um, 
played in every mm-hmm. game that the Ducks had, uh, led the team, uh, which again we'll get into later. Uh, at, like by the end of the season, uh, led the team in shorthanded points. Actually, yeah, I don't know. Maybe so, yeah, maybe somebody like that. Um, but yeah, like as much as much as I love Getzlaff, don't get me wrong. Uh, I think just age is caught up with him, and it just. Because of that, you know what? If we're looking like five years ago, absolutely, he's going to be in there. But that's just kind of mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah. So he, you can definitely see the the decline. And there are players that do. Yes, he's the captain. He leads by example, and he definitely does things on the ice. But there are players that are doing more in different areas. I think that have definitely helped this team to. I mean, I know we have like the fifth best odds to get the first overall pick, but to be better yeah. than <laughs> they honestly could have been. This season, we could, mm-hmm. we very well could have been in that bottom three. So, that that's where we were projected yeah. at the beginning of the season. So, I mean, three, yeah, you so. bump up a couple spots. That's that's great. I know we're still in the basement, but like we were, I was anticipating mm-hmm. us to be worse, honestly. And there were definitely players that stepped up uh, in ways that maybe we didn't expect. Um, that definitely sure. could fill in yeah. that area. So, I'll I'll just put a placeholder with Carter Rowney. Um, not sure off the top of my head, but I would definitely go with John Gibson and uh, Adam Henrique. Mm-hmm. You know what? I could even make an yeah. art. At least we can yeah, agree I on could that, honestly so. <laughs> even make an argument for Ryan Miller, uh, which seems ridiculous to say oh, as a yeah. backup goalie. <laughs> but any time that he had to step in, it wasn't it wasn't kind of your typical backup scenario where you know you maybe have to play just a little bit more defensively because you don't have quite the experience or something like that, or like just kind of the play time. You have a veteran guy behind you who knows how, not to say that nobody else does, but knows how to play the game and knows the position. <laughs> you have you have confidence in your backup, like 100%, as much confidence as you do in your starting goalie. Yeah. yeah. No, so I, sure. I, can make, I can make that argument for Ryan Miller maybe as well to be slotted in there. That's not trying to show goalie yeah. bias by having two like both goalies in the, in the three stars, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, no, it's yeah. it's possible for sure. Um, I guess the the reason I had Getzlaff in the the three stars spot was just I guess his timing of, of the goals. You we know, called he, him Captain Clutch for a reason. He got the, yeah, exactly. Like that nickname kind of says what he did for this team. You know, um, he's obviously dropped off, like you said, but he still led in assists tied for the lead in, in power play points as well. Um, so I, th- I think in the, the high energy, important situations, he was so important. And I mean, that's what you want from your captain yeah. and kind of the, the leader. Even if he didn't have the C, he would still be one of the leaders in the dressing yeah, room. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just because of his, uh, just being a veteran and with this team for so mm. long. Um, so yeah, I think the the nickname Captain Clutch kind of speaks for why he might be in that that spot. So. Um, but I honestly have no issues with putting Miller or <laughs> Rowney or Grant in that yeah. top, top. Like that's spot, that's kind of the know? impressive thing is that you can make cases for a lot of different players actually at the moment. So yeah, yeah, which, which is, is great. yeah, which you is know, a great even thing. If, absolutely. Yeah, even if they didn't do as well as you know some of the bigger teams, the or the players on bigger teams, I guess uh, these players still stepped up in ways that was yeah. unexpected. Like this team easily could have been thirty first in the league in, in standings yeah. if it wasn't for Derek Grant stepping up uh Delorier stepping up and scoring more than we thought uh Henrique putting together what would have been probably a career yeah. season um 
gets laugh pushing through the bad knees or whatever his issues in old age are, are doing loss. for him. Um, <laughs> hair loss, yeah. Uh, Ryan Miller being an outstanding backup. Gibson doing whatever it took to to steal wins on any given night. Like, if not for all those guys doing their thing, like this team would have been thirty first. <laughs> yeah, we. Like, it would have been a battle with Detroit, a which is insane to think. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. The battle for thirty first. Um, yeah, so really just how like positive this team could was throughout the yeah. whole season is is really the reason why we're <laughs> why we're so high in the standings, which is yeah. funny to say, but um yeah. You, yeah. you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, no, I understand. So yeah, uh, you know I had some issues with this article, but <laughs> I I think they they made yeah. good points. Everything is subjective, right? So. Yeah, for sure. And I mean to pick to pick 3 I think is almost yeah. impossible <laughs> for this team. So um but uh Let's step away from the subjectivity, I guess, and get into to some more objective stuff. Uh, let's get into the the final stats. Give me the since facts. The ducks are done let's go. <laughs> yeah, the hardcore numbers. Um, we've already basically said all of them, so we can just kind of run through them real quick. Sure. But uh, games played, uh, Adam Henrique and Carter Rowney led the team with seventy one, so playing one hundred percent of the team's games this season. Woo! Congrats, guys. Uh, yeah, very impressive. Um, you know, the Iron Men of this team. Yeah. Uh, Adam Henrique led in goals with 26 uh, on pace for above 30 um, as you had said they're almost putting together a career high in goals and I have no doubt he would have yeah uh, and just for reference as well uh, the next leading goal scorer for the Ducks was uh, Jakob Silverberg with 21 goals so Henrique you know five goals yes it's not a big spread but also for a team like this uh, that is a I'd say that's a pretty decent spread, actually, of five goals. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah, five sure. more goals than I've ever scored in the NHL. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, leading in assists was Ryan Getzlaff with 29. Um, yeah, I, I expect nothing less from him. That's always kind of been his job. Is uh, yeah, he's always been wingers. Yeah, he's always been that setup guy. Um, and right behind him with with uh, 27 assists, there was Ricard Raquel. Those two guys were really the setup men uh, this season. I found um, oh, they were the sure. guys who were able to, you know, find the winger coming in or just you know whoever coming in. I guess. Yeah. In um, this case, the top two in goalies, Henrik and um, Silverberg, most of the time. Yeah. So yeah, you were able to. They were able to find those guys, and um, that's a chemistry that you know it takes work uh, sometimes to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes it just comes natural as well. Um, maybe it's Maybelline. I don't know. But, uh, um, but like, you know, like to an assist is almost harder to get than a goal, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. So, cause you can make that nice pass to somebody, but if they don't finish it off, right. Or sometimes, you know what, you make that pass and you completely fuck it up and it's down the other way and you're already just like dead and mm-hmm. you can't get back to try to help fix the fuck up that you had. So, yeah, you, you know, you could almost make the argument that, um, yeah, like you said, the assist is harder, but like it, mo- like most of the time, if you make a really nice pass, it's almost impossible to fuck up the goal. So like, yeah. if you can make that sweet cross ice pass through two defenders' legs, and um, the other guy just has an open cage that they can, you know, stop and smell yeah. the roses before they put it in. Like, yeah, the the assist is almost more important, like you said. So yeah, where were we? Oh yeah, points. Uh, so Adam Henrik also led in points with forty three. Uh, as, as well as goals so you know he's he's taken the the cake with the team awards here already has uh, games played goals and points 
Yeah, and uh, just behind him, uh, Raquel and Getzlaff both with 42, so not very far back, obviously, just one point, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Jakob Silverberg with 39 points there. These four guys, at least until Getzlaff leaves, uh, these guys are the top men uh, that you're watching out for every game uh, mm-hmm. when, it, when you're playing the Anaheim Ducks, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, another guy that you got to watch out for um, in a different way, otherwise you're going to get your head taken off, Nick Delorier. He led the team in <laughs> penalty minutes with 92. Um, no doubt with uh, all his fights that uh, he got into, he was he was the fight guy yep. to, to spark the team or stand up for his teammates. So, um, yeah, no surprise there. Uh, glad to see. You had crunched the numbers beforehand. What, what did it work out to per game? Uh, it worked out to one and a half just over one and a half minutes a game uh, average for what he played. Um, mm-hmm. I do have here, though, that uh, he had 14 fighting majors uh, this 14? season. So, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that adds up quite quickly. Oh, yeah, it does. So that would be, I'm just doing the math quickly, 70 of his 92 minutes were with fights. So, yeah, he's definitely the guy <laughs> to stand up for his teammates and you know make yeah. uh, give, give a spark. So mm-hmm. For sure. That's what you want from him. I think... Yeah, I think he's going to be that guy in the the top six that uh, that protects the the goal scorers and you know yeah. pots a few goals down again. So yeah. I'm excited to see that. Uh, power play points. We had a three way tie with uh, you guessed it, Adam Henrique, uh, as well as Ricard Raquel and Ryan Getzlaff. They each got nine power play points, which doesn't yeah. seem like a lot, but um, you know, considering this the, team, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And considering how god awful the power play was at times, yeah, you know, if these guys are combining for eighteen power play points, um, that's that's fine by me. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I can just kind of go back to what I said before, uh, including Silverberg in there. These are the guys that uh, are on that whiteboard when other teams play the Anaheim Ducks, right? These are the guys that the defensemen are going to be on. Uh, trying to make sure they don't have a chance. So. Uh, shorthanded points. Carter Rowney, uh, who we talked about, you said he had three shorthanded goals this season, right? Uh, two shorthanded goals, I believe. Oh, two. Uh, um, I'm just double checking that here. Okay, but he ended up with four shorthanded points this season. So, um, yeah. yeah way, he, sorry. He, yeah, he had two shorthanded goals uh, and four shorthanded points. Okay. Um, yeah, definitely a guy you can't sleep on, even if you're supposed to have the puck. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he had. He made himself some great chances, honestly, you know, blocking shots and, and going up the other way, probably in a little bit of pain from blocking the shot. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, he was he was always the guy I wanted to see. Well, him and Grant, um, those were the two guys you wanted to see streaking up the ice uh, on the penalty kill because you knew, knew there was a good chance of it going in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that rounds out the forwards and defensemen there. Uh, I guess really just the forwards, the defensemen. We didn't get yep. <laughs> into, but uh, unfortunately, you know, Lindholm and Fowler did do good. Um, honorable mentions to them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but goalie stats, um, obviously, we really only had two. Uh, Stolarz did play, but not a whole lot. But uh, John Gibson and Ryan Miller, uh, let's get into those guys and where they finished off the season. Yeah. Uh, like I was saying before, uh, these two guys especially were the backbone of this team, I would say, even mm-hmm. more so than uh, Getzlaff or Henrique. Um these guys, you know, they helped make a lot of games less worse than they probably should have been at, at times. Let's be honest here. Oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, so we'll go through each guy's stats here. Uh, so John Gibson, uh, our boy, uh, 51 games played this season, had a 20, 26, and 5 record. So, but I mean, considering that he's starting majority of these games, it, 
you take the record as whatever. I mean, the guy got 45 points uh, for this club, which is still pretty impressive, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Uh, a flat three goals against average and a 904 save percentage with uh, one shutout. Um, again, the save percentage doesn't maybe look hot. Same with the goals against. But like I said, this guy, this guy did steal games for the Ducks this season. Those numbers, both for the Ducks and himself, could be a lot worse. Man, I'm just I'm ready for this team to. I mean, obviously he's going to be a little while still. I'm ready for this team to be back to greatness and to just watch this guy really flourish uh, with a, mm-hmm. a solid team in front of him. Yeah, he's just hitting his prime now. So, you know, if in the next couple of years this team is able to compete, I think John Gibson is going to be a huge factor in, in stealing wins and uh, allowing this team to go farther than maybe it should, uh, which I'm definitely not going to complain about. So, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other guy, on uh, sometimes sitting on the bench, sometimes on the ice, uh, Ryan Miller played 23 games, had a 9-6-4 and four record. So a winning record, uh, which is pretty good for a backup goaltender. Uh, really you know, yeah. getting, uh, I'm trying to do the math, 18, 22 points. Uh, had a 3.10 goals against, so not too much higher than John Gibson. And a 9.07 save percentage. No shutouts, unfortunately, for uh, Millsy. But, uh, you know, still pretty decent numbers, even, uh, again, as a backup goalie on a not-so-great team. I say that's pretty decent, so. Oh, for sure, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and again, the numbers don't really reflect maybe the play of, I'd, I'd say the numbers don't reflect the play of both these goaltenders. No Both way. of these no. guys were lights out. You put them on a solid team, which we'll have in the next couple of seasons, watch those numbers skyrocket. Oh, it's going to be insane. They're They're going to be in talks for... Well, John Gibson for sure is going to be in talks for the Vesna in a couple of years, like without yeah, uh, and probably one of the favorites to win. Ryan Miller would be if he if he sticks around, but he's not going to be around in the next few years. Uh, I can pretty much guarantee. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, he's going to be huge for um, for this team in uh, in really just allowing John Gibson to flourish. I think absolutely really great to see. Um, see where this the players on this team ended up you know i think there's lots of potential shown here with these stats um you know henry almost having a career season uh if he can keep it up over the next couple seasons he's gonna he's gonna put up some numbers and he's gonna be a force to be reckoned with for sure uh so before we get into uh the last little bit of the podcast here wrapping up with uh the final round of twitter questions and polls we are gonna let you guys know about coolhockey.com Since 1999, CoolHockey.com has been the number one online source for purchasing and customizing officially licensed NHL hockey jerseys in North America. To them, quality is just as important as it is to you, and that's why they ensure that every product that leaves their doors is done to the exact specifications of the NHLPA. CoolHockey stocks officially licensed NHL products from Adidas, Fanatics, Reebok, and CCM, and hand-stitches them in their 15,000-square-foot state-of-the-art production facility in Toronto, Ontario to ensure the most authentic customization possible. Since they don't outsource jerseys for customization like their competitors, they're able to offer the best quality, pricing, and delivery time on all their products. Cool Hockey staff live and breathe hockey, and it shows in their work. Find out why CoolHockey.com is the number one source for NHL hockey jerseys online. And if you buy today, you can get your first or next jersey from them for 30% off. Just use the promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, once again, that's promo code THPN for 30% off your next jersey purchase. 
And also by using the link that we supply in our description, coolhockey.com slash THPN, as well as the promo code Nate just gave you, uh, we can make a little bit of commission off of each purchase made through the link, which we are going to use to make the Quack Report bigger and better. Um, I think we're pretty much good to go for video for next year. I'm like 90% sure that it's going to be a feasible option for us. So uh, definitely look out for that. And that's uh, in huge part to you guys uh, supporting our sponsors and likewise supporting the show. Uh, it also allows us to do more future giveaways and contests like our recent coolhockey.com um, contest that we put together with them. Uh, so yeah, just uh, keep that in mind uh, when you are searching for a jersey that you can help support the show that you guys know and love. So what do you say we get into the uh, final Twitter question for this season and the uh, how many polls do we have? Three? Last three polls. Yeah, we got three, we got three polls this season. So I may do some as well just for... For shits and gigs, I'll still be active, obviously, on the Quack Report uh, mm-hmm. Twitter account, which again at Quack Report Pod. Um, but yeah, at least that we will be talking about on the, on this app or for this time before we take a little bit of a break. I'd say, I guess, until the draft is what we decided. Correct? Yeah, yeah, the draft uh, yeah. This will be, be the, the last one, that so. yeah, this will be the last that we talk about until then. So you get about a month off from my my Twitter pushing on you uh <laughs> who knows maybe i do two a week and we have like eight to talk about uh for the draft episode <laughs> yeah that'd be good um so what do you want to do first i'll leave it up to you do you want to deal with the question we got or uh do some polls uh i think we should go with the question actually because the polls will be a great way to end off i think with some of the uh, things i had asked this week okay sure so the question comes from uh one of our um our, our i guess biggest uh, listeners or uh, biggest Twitter um, responders. Anyways, followers. Responder, yeah, that's what I, I'm trying to say. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Shane Van Nice, uh, who is at Van Nice Shane on Twitter, uh, he asked, "When was the most tired you've ever been, or the longest you slept, or the longest you were up, and what's the story behind it?" So basically, um, what's the the worst sleeping situation you've been? In? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel Do you have like- one. I got to think about it for a second. I feel like you okay. have a few that you, you could pick from. Oh, I have a few. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I have, I'm notorious for pulling all-nighters, and I don't know why. I just hate sleep, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I love sleep when I get there, but I just hate the hate the going-to-sleep part, I guess. That's um, But uh, I'd say the, the most tired I've ever been and the longest I've slept came after my first year of university, where I, I, I definitely pulled an all-nighter and then I think I slept or then went the rest of the day slept for four hours got up at five to finish a final project that was due later that afternoon and then I had exam 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 and then had to pack up and go home so I (laughs) I didn't get a lot of sleep um, after that I went moved back to my parents house I went to bed at about eight in the evening and I slept until three in the afternoon and, oh my and God. didn't wake up once. <laughs> yeah. I, I used like a, I used a sleep monitoring app and I, it got, I think it said that I got like 16 hours of rest. So I was like barely awake, or like 15 hours. <laughs> you were um, dead, dude. <laughs> I was d- dead. Yeah. My parents like <laughs> didn't know what to do and like, they were just like, let me sleep. I, I, think i entered a brief coma for a couple hours <laughs> but man did i feel well rested after that so Dang. first year university kicked the shit out of me and i uh put myself in a bad place um sleeping wise and yeah then, then eventually got that tired but man <laughs> was that sleep good 
There you yeah. go. Um, I think the longest I've ever slept was 12 hours. I don't remember the exact circumstances around it. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's 12 hours is the longest I've ever slept. And it was like a, like a 10 till 10 or something like that. Like I went to bed early and like slept in, I guess, fairly late. Um, I do have kind of just like a, maybe an odd sleep. Maybe it's not odd, but just kind of like a, I do have a story with it at least. Um, so when Carter and I graduated from high school, we did decide to go to the chem free. Uh, you have, uh, you know, like your, your normal kind of grad, I guess, where like you're able to drink or whatnot. And then chem free is obviously no alcohol or anything like that. But we were at a, like a big, uh, it was like a, like a summer camp essentially. So there was like mm-hmm. zip lining and we played laser tag and a bunch of different games. Like there's a lot of stuff for us to do throughout the night to keep ourselves entertained. Um, but I didn't stay the whole night. I left at about two or three in the morning because I had a lacrosse game that I was supposed to start the next day. Um, so yeah, I think we got home finally about like three, three thirty in the morning. Uh, I went straight to bed, woke up at about 1230, one o'clock, uh, basically showered, got ready in like my dress clothes to go to the rink. Uh, had uh, my 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 pregame has always been like fettuccine alfredo or like spaghetti and meatballs. Like I I I like my pasta beforehand. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's gotta be it's gotta be yeah. It's gotta be one of those two. Um, so yeah, had like basically woke up, had lunch, and then went straight to the rink. And uh, like I had friends who knew that like it was my grad at that point because there's a few different high schools obviously like at least in our town. Um, but I was, I think I was the only grad on that team from my school, at least, uh, a lot of the team was from another one. Um, so they're like, Oh, like, how's your, like, how's your thing and whatnot? Like you feeling pretty tired. I'm like, no, I left it early. And like, I woke up maybe an hour ago <laughs> and went out and played a game. So, but, um, so I think the big question here is how did you, how did you play? Uh, we did win that game. So nice. <laughs> I, I at least uh, remember that we won that game. So yeah. you don't, you don't remember the score. Uh, no, I don't remember the score. I just remember, yeah, it was kind of weird, the timing of it, because normally our Saturday nights, like our Saturday games were uh, like we're in the evening, so they'd be like six or seven o'clock games. Uh, but for whatever reason, that weekend, we it was a Saturday matinee. So yeah, it was like a two or three o'clock game. So it was oh, a little yeah. bit different. Mm-hmm. Wild. So, yeah. I, but, I, yeah, I, think I that, at least have a story <laughs> for that one. <laughs> yeah, I think that the score is maybe a, a little bit higher. Um, I think that you just don't want to say how bad you actually did. Well, I mean, I, I wasn't drinking or anything like that, so at least I wasn't hungover. Like, I that's was true. Yeah, sober. That right? been and I had yeah. and I had like a full night's sleep. It was just like really shifted over compared to any other time, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. and I yeah, like, it sure. would be a little bit different because it would be kind of like going back to minor, like when you're like playing early morning, because like yeah. you only have a couple hours before like you start playing again. Like normally on a day like you kind of go about your day and whatnot and then you have your game in the evening so you kind of have the normal routines and being mm-hmm. a goalie i'm not gonna deny that i'm not like superstitious or like have like specific routines that you have to follow and everything like that uh you've seen it with us playing ball hockey i have certain oh, things yeah. that i have to do before and whatnot <laughs> yeah. so um so yeah i guess it was maybe a little bit different that like i wasn't able to do quite the same thing um but yeah no i i Still had a good game, I believe. We, I know we won the game at least. So okay, I'll I'll believe you. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> um, but thank you for the question, Shane. That was a good one. Um, I think we both definitely have some more stories, but we'll uh, we'll save that for another time. I think. Yeah. <laughs> those are those are the the good ones. 
So I'm just waiting for somebody to ask us at some point, like the drunkest we've ever been or something like that. That's when we yeah. get the good stories. <laughs> I, I don't know if I want to say that one. Yeah, I was going to say, some of those I don't know if we can tell on here. We can tell like kind of the meat, like the mess stories in, in terms of us being drunk. Yeah, but. yeah I don't think you're ever going to hear <laughs> the, the biggest ones, but you'll hear some, some good ones for sure. There'd definitely be drunk stories that led us to being super tired. Let's put it that yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, we'll save that for next season. That'll be this this season's cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First episode, just right away. So let me tell you about the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I guess let's get into the uh, the Twitter polls. Thank you again, Shane, for the for that question and the other good ones that you've given us throughout the season. Sounds good. All right, so uh, we'll get into our first uh, Twitter poll here. Uh, speaking of hangovers, uh, maybe this is your, your choice of meal once you wake up or in your drunken state, you decide to try to cook this. Uh, so when making Kraft Macaroni and Cheese, or KD for our Canadian listeners, uh, I asked, do you follow the instructions? Uh, the options were, yes, I'm not an animal, or no, I make my own rules. Carter, do you follow the instructions when making uh, KD or Kraft Macaroni and Cheese? I I don't know. Uh, what are these you instructions? Don't know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know what the instructions are. They're on the box. <laughs> okay, let me go grab a box. I know I got one in the cupboard. <laughs> Just a sec. Oh, man. Love this guy. <laughs> okay, so I got a box of uh, KD original here. Uh, microwave directions? Who the who microwaves craft dinner? That's messed up. I didn't uh, know there so- was actually like microwave for, like the box stuff. I knew there's like the like the KD mm-hmm. cups or whatnot, like for the like made for the microwave, but yeah. that's interesting. I'm gonna I, I kind of got just want to try it now in the microwave. <laughs> I just want to know. Um, but stovetop directions, how any sane person makes it. Boil six cups of water. I don't know. I just add water. Um, add pasta. Cook seven to eight minutes, stirring occasionally until tender. Drain. Return to saucepan. Okay, so far so good. Step three. Add one tablespoon non-hydrogenated margarine, one-third cup skim milk, and the cheese sauce mix. Yeah, I think I do that. I don't. But like, I mean, do you do, like, do you do it like following the directions in terms of like the amount and everything like that, or do you just kind of eyeball oh, it? Oh, oh God, no! I just eyeball it. No. Okay, so then you make your own rules. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you, like you, like you. I guess follow the process, but it's not like yeah the instructions no, I don't in terms of yeah, like the measurements and whatnot. Yeah, I would say I add approximately that, but I don't like you know get out the tablespoons and the like the measuring cups and and specifically measure. I just you know. I use the same spoon that I use to like stir the pasta and I just yeah. put some margarine on there. It's probably more than a tablespoon. It's probably a couple. Um, yeah. I put that in there, dump the cheese sauce on, just eyeball like a couple little bloops of milk, you know, the, the accurate bloop or, or sploosh <laughs> <Yep>. of milk. Uh, <laughs> 1%, not skim because I don't even own skim milk. But um, no. Skim milk's kind of, eh. it's, it's, like, it. it's like watery milk. Yeah, it's gross. I, Can't I do it. don't know how people do it. Um, so it's a it's approximate, but I guess technically I make my own rules. <laughs> there you go. And I definitely I, uh, don't measure out the the uh, <laughs> six cups of water to boil. I just no. fill it up. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah I just fill it up as well. Yeah, I'm definitely under the uh, I make my own rules a little bit more than you, I'd say. Because uh, oh, you are yeah. Oh yeah yeah. You've had my craft dinner before. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I yeah definitely just eyeball the the water. Um. I don't really look at the clock. I just more kind of look at like the consistency of the craft dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yep. I do it like just a touch, I guess, harder than they would maybe want it. Um, oh, yeah, like just a bit more, more stiffer, stiffer. Yeah, there you go. Um, 
but uh and then when it comes to the uh i guess the sauce um the powders put in there along with like a I'd probably say like five tablespoons of margarine <laughs> and uh, like the tiniest splash of milk basically just to help mix it. Uh, mm-hmm. The way that I do it is like with the original, like makes it really creamy um, and yeah. whatnot. So yeah, I definitely make my own rules, but uh, supposedly, and I'm, yeah, I'm saying supposedly nobody really like 100% looks at the package every time and follows it this way. Uh, uh, 57.1% went with, yes, I'm not an animal. <laughs> yeah. Compared to 42.9% that said they make their own rules, which is really the way you should go about it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's kind of how I cook anyways. I don't really follow directions unless I'm given like an yeah, actual recipe yeah, with all the ingredients. Yeah, like, but. yeah exactly. Like with recipes, you, you follow it. But for something like this, it's like you make it so many times where you're just like, yeah, I want to just change it up a bit. Yeah. But yeah, most times, even if I have a recipe sometimes, if it's like, oh, add a tablespoon of oil, do this, add this, I don't get out the measuring cups. I'm like, oh, well, I'll just yeah, put just a little bit of oil it. in here. It's like, yeah. it's like, oh, use like one teaspoon of salt. It's like, well, I'm just going to crack salt on until I feel like that's enough salt. Feel like it's like, enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just kind of how I cook anyways, so. Um, but yeah, I guess I fall under the 42.9% and you definitely do. <laughs> I definitely do. Yeah. I have, I have no, yeah. uh, no reservation on that. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, the way you make it is still pretty good though. It is pretty good. I, uh, I actually got my Nona to kind of start to make it that way a bit too. Like less, like less milk, more margarine. So nice. Yeah. It's been kind of interesting. Uh, all right. Should we move on to our next question then? Yeah, sure. What do we got? All right. So this one was something that we talked about. Uh, it was a Twitter question last week from, uh, our boss, Dylan, uh, from the hockey podcast network here. Um, so I decided to make it a poll question as well for, uh, our ducks fans specifically. Um, so yeah, so the question was, it's the 2003 draft. Remember in 2003, we only, we had, or not only, we had two picks in the first round, uh, where we got Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry Dylan's question, which we reiterated for the poll here was instead you only have one pick. Who do you take? Is that Ryan Getzlaff or Corey Perry? Um, I know, like we already discussed about this, so we can go through this one pretty quickly. We both said Ryan Getzlaff, correct? Yep. And uh, yeah, so eighty nine or eighty eight point nine, so eighty nine percent of people agreed with us with Ryan Getzlaff. Uh, you did have eleven percent of people saying they would go with Corey Perry instead. Yeah. So pretty well, interesting, but uh, yeah, we had a pretty good response actually with uh, with that poll as well. So I was pretty happy about that. Yeah. No, that looks good. Um, yeah, I think that uh we kind of have an interesting case with this draft coming up too. another one that's supposed to be deep like this 2003 draft yeah like and we, we could, have two yeah, first round picks be, again yeah exactly coming back again 10 years later who who would you take so yeah yeah exactly kind of just after uh gets laugh and perry exit the nhl uh, sort of or exit the ducks team you know they're kind of on on the out in the next few years yeah um we have some other potentially big names like these coming in uh, to our team, both first round picks. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, if we're still around doing this show in, I guess, seventeen years, we'll <laughs> we'll ask again. Uh, we only have one pick. Who do you take? <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, all right. What's the last one we got here? The last one we got here uh, again. So with the Stanley Cup playoffs, hoping to resume. It's not definitive uh, as of yet, but there's at least the plans put in place, and that's what we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. Uh, with the announcement of the plans being in place uh, coming out Tuesday uh, for the Stanley Cup playoffs. So will you be watching the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs 
even if your team is not in it. So I gave three options actually for uh, for this one, which two of them kind of work for the same, but just kind of varying levels, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I had, duh, it's playoff hockey. Uh, I'll tune in for some or nope, my team sucked. <laughs> Carter, with the Ducks not having made the playoffs, uh, will you still be tuning in for the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs? Uh, duh, it's playoff hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Going to be watching like a few series pretty intensely, I'd say. Uh, definitely the Oilers Blackhawks series. Um, <laughs> I always like to follow the Flames when they make the playoffs because I like to cheer for the team uh, that they're playing against. So go Jets, go! <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably tune into some series in the East since they tend to come on at five, and then the uh, the games in the West, West aren't until eight. So it'll be um, interesting this year if you have the two hub cities, though, because like you're gonna have games probably starting at like 10 a.m. like local time for wherever they are. Man, so you're gonna have like full I'm not days doing anything of else. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> dude. I'm gonna be in heaven during the qualifying round in the first uh, round. Oh of my the god, it's gonna be intense. Non-stop so many games. hockey, non-stop. Oh, yes, <laughs> sign me up. I'm gonna, dude. I might not be sober for like a whole month. <laughs> <laughs> Just going off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I will definitely be watching playoff hockey. I always tune in whether uh, my team or teams make it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I try to catch a couple games. I just am a fan of hockey in general, so I'll, I'll turn on whatever game, um, even throughout the regular season. If there's something on that I'm, like, interested in for hockey, like I'll, and which is most of it, I'll turn it on. Uh, so I'd be in that uh, does playoff hockey as well, mm-hmm. um, which 75% of people did agree with that, actually, that they'll be tuning in just because it's playoff hockey. With uh, 25% saying they'll tune in for some of the games. Um, 0% said, nope, my team sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good. Uh, that's that's the attitude you got to have. Yeah. Uh, I, I did think about maybe potentially starting... I guess this, this may even just me bringing it up. thought about maybe starting some beef with uh, Sabres fans by going, nope, uh, the Buffalo didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you didn't. I don't think we could handle... <laughs> The tirade of Buffalo fans. Oh my god, that that have been funny though. It give me something to do over the over the next month. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I'm so excited for the. the I uh, think qualifying yeah, round I, playoffs to start. I think the even like the note my team sucked. Uh, like having zero percent doesn't matter if your team made it or not. You're just excited for hockey to be back in general. That you'll watch no matter what. Oh yeah, and even if you're a hockey fan, you you almost always watch like the finals yeah because that's when you it gets really interesting and you want to know yeah so or i'd even say starting at the conference finals right so even then yeah yeah you know it's it's pretty intense yeah um yeah some great uh great polls there to wrap up this season i would say yeah good job on uh on those ones nate thank you very much um all right well this has been a long episode and this box of craft dinner that i just grabbed is staring me down um, <laughs> screaming eat me for lunch so uh, i think it's it's about time to wrap this up what do you Carter, think it's almost five o'clock it's almost supper time <laughs> i guess supper yeah <laughs> technically my lunch only my second meal of the day so that's oh, fair enough i guess yeah. it'd be mine too but i ate at like ten thirty. oh yeah man how are you still alive <laughs> it's like brunch in a way Ah, gotcha, gotcha. So that's just normally when I get hungry is like a couple hours after I wake up. I did wake up a lot earlier today than normal, so mm-hmm. 
Gotcha. But, well, yeah, like we said on the last episode, we uh, we do have a Twitch channel with nothing on it yet. Uh, we have the materials for uh, streaming some Twitch games. I think we're going to do a best of seven series uh, over the next month leading up to the draft lottery between the two of us. Carter's uh, Ducks versus Nate's Ducks. Yes, exactly. Find out once and for all uh, who is the better child player. Um, it's going to be me. Maybe. <laughs> it's going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have high hopes, but I'm hoping I can upset here. You know what? Maybe that's going to be a, a poll question actually for this week is uh, who's who's going to take the best of seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then depending on who gets picked as the winner, then I can say how many games is it going to take? Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, but yeah, we are going to do that. So uh, we'll release a very brief episode announcing that when uh when the time comes but also look out for twitter that's where the main news is gonna be uh so thank you guys for listening thank you for your support throughout the season uh we've really grown over the last season as a as a show and as a network so uh we really appreciate it and hope to see all of you guys back for season two which will hopefully hopefully be a little bit better for the ducks um we were kind of downers at some point in the season <laughs> but we had fun with it uh there was lots of good things to talk about so uh, we, we yeah, will have again, some we will have some point five episodes, I guess, with uh, the draft lottery and the draft itself. Oh, for sure, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, thank you guys very much uh, for your support over the season, and uh, tune in over the summer uh, as well as whenever we get back to uh, the twenty 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 one season. You can uh, check out podcasts from the other teams, which will also be kind of releasing episodes here and there throughout the summer, um, kind of whenever they want. So, But look out for them. Um, those will be coming out on Mondays always, so you don't have to check every day. They'll only be coming out Mondays when we decide to release stuff for you. You can follow the network at HockeyPodNet for updates on all of that stuff, and you can follow us on Twitter at QuackReportPod for your summer fixing of Ducks-related stuff. You can also tune into our show, the Shooting Around Show, uh, which we will be using to cover the uh, qualifying round as well as the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs when that resumes. You can follow that show on Twitter at Shooting Around for updates on all that stuff. In the meantime, wash your hands. Still continue practicing social distancing of one hockey stick length. Cover your sneezes and coughs uh, and stay safe out there, everybody. Once again, from uh, all of us at the Quack Report and the network, myself and Nate included, thank you guys for all your support. And uh, next season, uh, we will see ya and resume the Go Dex Go. Here's where we see if we get that from you. We'll see you next time. <laughs>